If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you pray with me? It is arguably the most comforting of all the Psalms, Holy One. But the words of the 23rd Psalm ring hollow these days. It feels like there are no green pastures, only graves. There are no still waters, only exploding bombs. The world's soul is not at rest, it is weary, and the path is violent not righteous. But the psalmist knew that we needed a prayer for such a time as this, when we cannot seem to hope or trust. One does not whisper a prayer like this when everything is right as rain. This is a prayer for those who need a lifeline, who need hope. And we need all the hope and all the help we can get. So for ourselves, and for our neighbors, and especially for our siblings in the Holy Land, we pray. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We believe, Holy One. Help our unbelief. We pray in the name of love itself. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the letter to the Philippians. 
chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntech to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I also ask you, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the peace of God will be with you. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Of anything that has been difficult to do this week, those instructions from Paul rank pretty high. It is one of those times when it is tempting to brush off the text as, at best, untimely, and at worst, irrelevant. How is it possible to think about whatever is true, honorable, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, or worthy of praise in the aftermath of the Hamas terrorist attack in Israel? Children taken, the elderly taken, neighborhoods flattened, the sleepy kibbutzim that were turned into sites of atrocities and warfare, their residents killed and taken hostage. The videos of Hamas terrorists hunting down civilians in the streets. Even those of us who haven't seen actual photos of what took place over the last week in Israel have heard it on the radio or read about it in news articles, descriptions of the mutilated, raped, and murdered. And this was quickly followed by images and reports of more than two million Palestinians trapped in Gaza, half of whom are children, and thousands of whom have been killed in Israel's response to Hamas. There seems to be no room in our brains and hearts to think of anything that is pure or pleasing or worthy of praise. This is, of course, the point of violence. As theologian Diana Butler Bass wrote, terrorist attacks are designed to not only murder individuals, but to kill the possibilities offered by complexity and compromise. Grief-stricken people, the fearful and angry, 
lose the capacity for much of anything except for the immediacy of pain and revenge, as is our nature. We seek out who or what to blame, to know where to inflict equal pain or cast vengeance. And this is where many of us have found ourselves in the last week trying to navigate who or what to blame. The complexity of the Holy Land is layered. There are multiple truths to hold onto at once, not the least of which is that the world has repeatedly tried to eradicate the Jewish people for being Jewish. Less than a hundred years ago after the Holocaust, we said, never again. The Jewish idea of living in the Holy Land started because Jews weren't free or safe in Europe. It was expulsions, pogroms, inquisitions, murders, and more that led to the yearning for a Jewish place. In the first place, Jews deserve to be safe and free and to exist without the threat of annihilation. It is also true that for many Palestinians, their entire experience has been Israeli military occupation, siege, and devastating military assault upon assault in an enclave of 140 square miles with unemployment and poverty rates of approximately 50%. This is the history, and these are the conditions that have shaped so many in Gaza. It is not a justification but these are the facts. Israel helped create these fighters by starving them of hope and dignity and a future. As Rabbi Daniel Rutenberg wrote this week, that Jews weren't safe and free doesn't mean that we have the right to make another people unsafe and unfree. And as Israeli Haggit Oran of Peace Now said, please tell me, how does the bombing and starvation of two million Palestinians in Gaza contribute to our security? How does it help us recover and come back to life after the terrible massacre we went through? And will it return any of the prisoners? Really, we bombed them and put a heavy siege on them for so many years and so many times. How does this contribute to our security? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. In our context, when we read the letter from Paul this morning, it almost sounds silly, utopian. Pollyanna, it sounds almost like Paul is an early version of Norman Peale, who in 1952 wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which encouraged affirmations and visualizations, including repeating, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, ten times every day. What kind of advice is this? Like, how is this helpful at all? Thinking happy thoughts is not going to get us to peace in the Middle East. But let us remember that these words, these words were written by a person chained in a Roman prison, wondering whether he will be sentenced to death for a socially provocative gospel and writing to a community 
under related social and economic duress. Paul was not a Pollyanna. He was in the thick of it, writing to a people who were in the thick of it. Philippi was a Roman colony. Luke provides our only account of the beginning of the Christian mission there in Acts chapter 16. In response to a vision and a call to come over to Macedonia and help us, Paul and his companions made a slow start, arriving at the riverside place of prayer. Lydia met them there. You may remember her story. And they responded and ministered to them. But difficulties mounted. Victimized by local anti-Semitism and charged with civil disobedience, Paul and Silas endured beatings and imprisonment. As far as we know, this was the first time Paul came up against Roman power. He remembered in a letter to the Thessalonians how he had, quote, suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi. According to Luke, Paul made at least two other visits to Philippi, but the political and social climate apparently did not improve. In fact, the church at the time of this letter is, to quote from chapter one, engaged in the same conflict which you saw and now hear to be mine. Most likely the common agony helped forge the bond between Paul and this church in Philippi. And still, even in the midst of this, Paul writes, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Apparently, Paul, while experiencing one terrible, awful reality, also held fast to another yet to come and must be worked for reality. The reality of God's redemption, a hope for the future. And so he tells the church to train their minds on how we get to God's promised day when there will be no more crying or pain. Think on these things. The verb think about, logizama, means take account of or reckon with. Paul promises that the outcome of logizama is a promise that our hearts and minds will know the God of peace, that the God of peace will be with us so written from jail by a man under threat of capital punishment at the hands of a brutal and corrupt regime, these, well, these are really remarkable, extraordinary promises. This implies that to think on these things is not dreamy meditation, but an intentional inventory taking of where the Philippians have experienced such things so that they can build on them. And this, my friends, is perhaps the most important practice of faith that we can do to help right now, 
to engage in an intentional inventory taking of whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, anything that is excellent or worthy of praise. So to that end, here are the words of Ahmed al-Jafari, the Palestinian chairman of the Parent Circle Families Forum, also known as the Bereaved Families Forum for Peace, an organization of Israelis and Palestinians who have lost family members as a result of the ongoing conflict. He writes, very dear friends, we are all in shock and confusion. The Palestinian members of the Families Forum worry about your safety, join in the terrible mourning of the Israeli people, and grieve for all the dead, injured, and kidnapped. We Palestinians are each shut up in our own towns. We are not allowed to leave our towns. We are very afraid of the future and horrible scenarios that may develop. All of us, Israelis and Palestinians, pray that the war will end soon, that fighting and violence will not start elsewhere, and that the killing of innocents on both sides will stop. Despite the great crisis, we are still determined in our belief that only an agreement and a political solution will bring an end to the wars, the suffering, the bloodshed, the dead, the wounded, the kidnapped, the captives, and the imprisoned. So take care of yourselves, and we will continue to strengthen each other. In an NPR interview on Friday, alongside Imam Mohammed Herbert of the Islamic Center of Johnson County, Kansas, Sharon Brosh, the senior rabbi and founder of Ikar, a Jewish congregation in Los Angeles, said, I was in a briefing yesterday, and there was a Bedouin doctor from Soroka Hospital in the south, Dr. Yasmin Abu Fraha. And she's been treating many of the people who came in from the massacre site. And she said the real dividing line is not between Israelis and Palestinians, but between those who believe violence is the answer and those who believe there is another way. And I believe there's another way. And Imam Herbert believes there's another way. And most of us believe that there's another way so together, we have to reject the very reductive idea that Jews and Palestinians must be enemies eternally and instead create a different way of finding one another in relationship and lifting up and affirming our own humanity and one another's. And then there is Rabbi Daniel Rutenberg. We have the option to refuse to root for the safety and lives and rights of human beings as if they are sports teams in which there are winners and losers, in which safety is a finite resource that must be hoarded. I don't know what the way out is politically, but I believe in finding the will and in finding the way. If we choose to look for it, we can get there. At the end of the day, everyone must be safe, free, and allowed to flourish because everyone is holy, created in the image of the divine. Beloved church, it turns out that there are plenty of things to think on that are true, 
honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. There are plenty of Israelis and Palestinians who believe peace is possible and who have lived it. Our faith response is to logizama, to take account of and to reckon with, to invest in and support visions of peace that we hear from both Palestinians and Israelis. It is our spiritual practice, our daily discipline, that we be intentional about training our minds to think on this reality that they hold up for us so that we can join them in building on it, in acting out of hope. So this work week, our homework and our heart work is to learn more about and consider supporting organizations like Standing Together, a grassroots people's movement in Israel that joins Jews and Arabs locally and nationally around campaigns for peace, equality, and social justice. Or American Friends of the Parents Circle, a joint Israeli-Palestinian organization made up of more than 600 bereaved families that take tens of thousands of Palestinians and Israelis on their personal journeys of reconciliation. Or we might support Combatants for Peace, another grassroots movement of Palestinians and Israelis working together to end the occupation, bring sustainable peace and freedom, and commit to joint nonviolence through civil resistance, education, human rights campaigns, and other creative means of activism to transform systems of oppression and build an equitable society. Grassroots movements. They are not necessarily government entities or terrorist organizations. Our support is for these grassroots organizations that are doing the work and have been doing the work for a while. We will also check on our people. And by our people, I mean care and the communities pastored by Imam Ahmad and Chassi, and the congregations of Rabbi Abby Jacobson and Vered Harris. Please know that they were contacted this week. I had conversations with all of these folks to check on them, to assure them that this congregation cares about what is going on. We are paying attention, and we are going to work with them for peace. Theologian Walter Brueggemann, in his book on reading the Bible amid the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, notes that the seemingly insolvable conflict between the state of Israel and the Palestinian people requires our best thinking, our steadfast courage, and a deep honesty about what is politically possible. The conflict is only seemingly beyond solution, because all historical political problems have solutions if there is enough courage, honesty, and steadfastness. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, pleasing, 
commendable, whatever is excellent and whatever is praiseworthy. Let us think on these things and then act on them. We must hold fast to the possibility of peace, friends, because this is who we are as the people of God. May we be found faithful. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.